This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Today, we are honored to have Lisa Whittle in studio with us, and she has written this book that, y'all, I cannot think of a better book for right now. This book is called The Hard Good, Showing Up for God to Work in You When You Want to Shut Down. And I was just telling you, Lisa, that I have been hearing from so many, many people in the last months, and especially in the last few weeks, who they're tired. They are weary. They just feel done. And they don't really feel like showing up anymore. They just want to shut down. And so I am just honored that you are here for us to have this conversation. I feel like you've walked through a lot. You have a lot of wisdom to share. I was telling you that there's, my book is so marked up and dog-eared and I have so many different angles that I would like to take this conversation, but I'm just excited to get to sit down and hear from your experience and what God has taught you. But I know that not everyone who is listening is maybe familiar with you. So I'd love for you to start by just introducing yourself for my audience. Mm, I'm so honored to be here. It's really fun, especially to get to be across the table from you. I That's just like next level fun. Oh gosh, Crystal, I am a wife, a mom, a wife of 26 years. So I feel like that's a, a feat in and of itself, yes. right? Because <laughs> marriage is hard. Um, three kids. Uh, uh, two that are in college, one that just got married. Everything in my life has been changing over the last year from my zip code to my body, to my kids, to, so I feel like I 
relate to anybody who's in that sort of space. I think a lot of us can relate to change, that being hard, good, um, and been writing and, and speaking and so forth for some years. So I don't know. I wear a lot of hats, like a lot of people listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this book, The Hard Good, tell <laughs> us tell us where this book came from. Gosh, this book came in 2017. My father died and he was what I, I, I've, I think the best way that to refer to him is that he was my favorite person. He was my favorite person. He was a very complicated person and um, he was a pastor. And so I grew up in this faith community from the time I was born. And so uh, that can kind of be confusing in and of itself. And there can be some real uh, things that, that are attached there, but when he died, there was a, just a real sense in me that I had a lot of information from really even kind of watching a man who had a lot of gifts and had a lot of talents, but struggle throughout his life with hard things and always wanted to run away. And in my own life, I realized that had been sort of my go-to as well. Um, anytime things that had been hard in my life um, I had wanted to run away from them as well. And and so uh, that kind of informed a lot of this book is what happens when hard things happen to us or uh, things that are hard for us, even, you know, in our own self, what happens when you are willing to walk through them with God, because faith informs everything in my life versus run away from them because this world is hard. And so um, that really was sort of the catalyst for writing the book. And I love kind of this conflict or tension just in the title of your book, The Hard Good. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a lot of people who are curious why you would title The Hard Good. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I don't think we have a struggle defining what hard is in our life, even though all it looks different for all of us. We have some universally hard things. Certainly, I think the last two years, we feel almost a camaraderie in the heart of the pandemic mm-hmm. and the quarantine and all the complications that's brought the, the unrest in the world. We all feel that like corporately. But listen, for a lot of us, two years isn't you know, it hasn't been new to us to face hard, right? Because we've been dealing with hard things for a long time. People have lost people that we love before two years ago or, you know, a diagnosis or loss of a job or whatever the case may be. It's just runs across the board. Hard is something universal for us. We don't have to define that. But good, Crystal, is something else because I think culture has sort of pitched us this idea of good in the way that we have a life. So like we look at someone else and we say, well, they have a good life and I don't have a good life like them. And so because of that, we've spent a lot of our life thinking I've done something wrong, living in this weird comparative state. And so what I really wanted to redefine for people is hard good in the terms of you know, this, this bigger faith of like, what does this actually matter to our life? Because I'm a pragmatist. So for me, if hard is going to come to my life, and I think we all know that it is, then I want it to not be purposeless. I want it to matter. I want it to mean something. And I don't want to just wander in this furnace of pain my whole life and it have not meant anything in the end. And so hard good is really those things that shape us, that transform us, that make us different, also make us live differently differently. 
So yes, we're going to continue to go through hard things, but we also have this different perspective because I think all of us could look at someone that we we can see and we say, how did they go through that? But they seem to live differently. They still have joy or they still are able to hope or see beautiful things again. What is different about them? And I wanted to explore that. Mm. And I feel like for some people, just even thinking of hard good, putting those two words together, it can almost feel like, are we just being a little Pollyannish <laughs> or, you know, this buzzword toxic positivity? And and that's not what is in this book. But I I feel like that sometimes as Christians, we can almost feel like we need to sugarcoat things or pretend like everything is roses and rainbows. Do you do you find that sometimes? Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, you and I were talking off air a little bit. You know, we don't know each other that well, but I can tell you one thing about me that is very true. And that is, Crystal, I am, I'm a skeptic myself. So that is how I approach my writing. I relate to the person who's like, well, I'm not sure. That's the personality that I have. And so even myself in writing this book, I had to fight my own skepticism. God, can it really be good? Are you sure? Are you really good? And I think those are fair questions. So I even say in the book, like, you can ask God why. That's okay. I talk about one of the chapters is about facing uncomfortable truth and having hard conversations because I want the church to do that. I want us as believers to do that. I I think that when you know what you believe and when you're firm in your faith, I don't think there should be anything, any conversation we're afraid of. And I, I, I so that those kinds of things really are important. And especially when it's hard, because if we continually duck the idea of things being hard or we want to talk about it, we will become eaten up inside because it is a reality that life is hard. And so you're right. Nothing in this book is uh, you know, calls people to not face those things. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I felt so compelled to share my own hard things and even journey through in the book. Like, this is kind of what I deal with and this is how I feel because I, I'm, I'm still going through hard like everyone else every single day. You know, it's, it's where we live at this point. So yeah, super important. And you talked earlier about how you had the tendency, maybe you have the tendency to run away, mm-hmm. like to just, I feel like we can either stuff things, pretend that it doesn't exist. We can run from it. What, how do you know? Because sometimes I think we don't even realize that we're doing that. Yeah. How, how do you know, like in the subtitle, when you want to shut down, mm-hmm. how do you know that you're shutting down? Yeah. You know, that, that was that we subtitled the book that because chapter three is called showing up when you want to shut down. And for me, boy, there may be no other chapter that is so relevant for my own personal life, Crystal, because I am a person who is, I'm I'm kind of this weird mix of like, I don't mind confronting things, but at the same time I want it on my terms. So I also am able to shut, shut down or shut you down in a hurry if I feel like it. And I had to learn to recognize that for myself. I tell a story in that chapter that's really poignant. And it is about a moment when I was wanting to shut down. And listen, sometimes 
it's fair in a way that we want to shut down. Like something happens to us, someone says something that triggers us. So I don't come with judgment for that. I think in our, in our natural bodies, you know, in our natural self, in our natural moment, because we're humans with that wear flesh, there are things that make us want to shut down every day. This world is hard. Some days I want to shut down myself down. Honestly, it's a defense mechanism. It's a protected mechanism for ourselves in this hard world. And that's one of the things I talk about in chapter three. You have to pay attention to your body because God created us according to the Bible as body, mind, and soul. So we're we're created in this three-dimensional way, which I, I find fascinating that he even mentions those facets because I love that. And it it kind of lists it out for me. I don't even have to think about it, which is great because I don't have my, a lot of times my capacity to think even is hard in these days. And so it, it really kind of shows me, okay, these are the things to pay attention to. So my body gives me signals of even when I'm going to shut down, I might sweat over my upper lip. I'm a sweater. It's also hot outside. So that might be why I'm thinking that way. I might give like a two word answer to someone when I'm being very snippy, or I might look down at my phone and just not really participate in the conversation. I mean, and there are different ways for all of us that our body sends a signal. Okay. Signals. Okay. You're shutting down right now. Something's triggered you. Something is hard for you. You have to pay attention to that. You have to pay attention to your mind, what's being said in there and and your soul and all of these things. And so I'm really encouraging us to, Pay attention to that and see what might need attention, might need to be dealt with. And so I think that's something that's super important. And I think a lot of times we kind of create these pathways in our brain of how we respond. And then we get stuck in that neuro pathway of just when this hard happens, this is how our body responds. This is how we respond emotionally, spiritually. How do we, once we recognize, oh, that's what I'm doing then how do we kind of reverse course and not just get stuck in that rut of shutting down? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, one of the things that I've I've come to realize is that, you know, we all want something quick and easy, but what it really takes is, is a little bit of acknowledgement and then practicing as well. So in those moments, even the awareness that that's what I'm doing has been helpful for me. And so that's one of the reasons I wrote about it is because I think sometimes, like you say, we just go to that place. We just give the quick answer or look down at our phone and we accept that in ourselves when really we don't want to do that or we even lash out. You know, I, I can't think of how many times I have regretted after I've walked away from lashing out at someone, how I've regretted that. And I think in this culture, especially, we can see how, uh, you know, if we would have given it a moment or taken a deep breath or walked away or said a prayer or whatever the case may be, we might not have responded to someone in a way that we then later regretted because a relationship now can't be mended maybe from that moment. And so I think that's important. I think it's also important to note that, you know, when we think of showing up, we automatically go to this weird perfectionistic model of like, I got to show up, which means I've got to have my makeup on and look perfect. And this has to be done really well. And I'm exhausted. So that sounds really hard. For me, showing up, Crystal, has become this commitment to presence of not bailing out and saying, you know, I'm here. Really, honestly, that, that phrase, I'm here. And I have open hands and I have open heart. And I'm willing to stay here for a minute and face this 
because I know that in the end, it will be better for me. It will be better for a relationship. And I, I do that with God as well. It's like, you know, God, I'm here. I'm, there's not much to work with. <laughs> I'm, you know, maybe even mad at you right now. I don't understand this, but I'm here. And he can do a lot with that. And so I would just say to someone who says, you know, I don't even really know how to do this. I feel tired. Showing up feels hard. Take the perfectionistic model out of your mind and off the table. It's going to be clumsy. It's going to be imperfect. And it might be very raw. But that just opening up your hands and saying, I'm here and I'm going to be present. Because a lot of us are alive, but we're not living. We're alive, but we're not living. And it does the a dishonor to maybe people who aren't living, who have lost their lives. A lot of us know people who have lost their lives. Even this past week, maybe somebody is listening and they think, oh gosh, you know, I'm, they're mourning that. Or they even feel, you know, maybe even some shame that they're still here. The best way to honor that or to honor someone, to honor your own life is to live while you're still alive. And so mm-hmm. um, it's not easy, but it is important to just say, I'm here. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to commit to live. I love that. And for me, one of the most profound parts of a healing journey that God's had me on the last few years is just being honest with Him. Mm. I think that there is like we were talking about the sugar coating. I think even in our prayers, we can feel like it needs to be polished yeah, and it needs to sound really great. But just, I remember this one Sunday morning, just sitting on the couch and just weeping and just telling God, this is exactly what I'm feeling. And it feels really yucky. And I'm asking you why this doesn't make sense in my life. And just sitting with my feelings, but being honest with them, instead of just shutting them down or trying to dismiss them or trying to minimize them or pretend like they didn't exist or say, you know, that doesn't matter. You shouldn't feel that. I know you talk in your book about minimizing. Sometimes we minimize our pain, but allowing ourselves to actually feel what we're feeling. And like you're saying, God, I'm here and I'm feeling this right now. And it feels really heavy and hard and I don't know what to do with it, but I want to be honest with you. And just that God is a big God. He knows what we're feeling, but for us to acknowledge it to Him, I think it does something in us that really changes our relationship with Him. It's like when we're really vulnerable with a friend, our relationship deepens because we've shared our hearts. And I think it's the same in our relationship with the Lord. If we're willing to go there, to to ask the hard questions and to say, this hurts and I don't understand this and I'm really grieving this loss help me. I'm here. I I want to hear from you. And so I just, I love that. One of my favorite chapters in the book though, was the one where you talk about cheering for someone when they get what you want. And I feel like, especially with social media, this is a big one yeah. right now. Yeah. And it's interesting because, so um, my husband and I struggle with infertility. We had three children and then um, we have a 10 year gap. And when I announced our pregnancy, which was this huge surprise that came out of totally left field, um, it was just interesting to me because I actually got hundreds of responses from women saying, I can't follow you anymore. This is too hard for me. Mm. And it made me recognize how the deep wounds and pain of loss and grief, how it affects people so that 
you know, and, and I get it because of, I mean, I don't get everybody's situation, but I understand, you know, with 10 years of infertility, it it's hard and it hurts, but I loved what you had to say about cheering for someone when they get what you want. And in page on page 47, I'm just going to read this because this was just so good. And I just have to read this. And then I want to hear all your wisdom on this, but you said, is it hard to cheer for those we envy? Yes. But it is far harder when we let the opportunity for healing go by and stay a person who is bitter and critical year after year. The minute you begin to sense that jealousy rising in your bones, take it on. Walk over to the person you envy. Smile and embrace them with a hug. Show interest by asking a question. Engage. It's hard to resent someone you have touched, but it's easy to dislike someone from a mile across the room. That is why Satan works to keep us apart. When you feel jealous, don't hesitate. Pray for them and for you. As you take a step forward, deliverance is swift. This is where your once perceived loss will begin to feel like a gain. And where you once felt less than or powerless, you will begin to feel empowered. A huge win, right? And I just loved how you talked about walking this out in your own life. You said cheering for someone costs you nothing. Withholding happiness from someone costs you the health of your soul. And I know I've done that so often in my life. I know even just being on Instagram and you'll see someone else that it's like, oh, why do they have these amazing friendships? And it just seems like I don't, I'm not finding that community or why are they getting that opportunity or how come they get to do that? Or why is she getting blessed with a child and I'm not, or why is her child and her relationship so good? And I'm struggling with this broken relationship. And it's so easy to look at other people and wish we had their life. What do you say to that woman who's struggling with that? I say that I deeply understand, and that's why I included it in the book, because it is so very difficult. It is really important that we are honest about this. Um, I, I think that that's one area that, you know, historically the church and, and um, you know, faith communities haven't been as honest and real as we should have been. And I feel like that secrets live in the dark and we as women need to acknowledge that we have jealous feelings and what do we do about them? Because, you know, women are amazing. We, we have the ability to be so for each other. And I I know I, I used to hear people say, you know, well, we'll just be for each other, just cheer for each other. And I used to think to myself, you know, that is so much easier said than done. I want that. I want to be that person. I want to be the biggest cheerleader in the room, but what do I do with the way I feel right now? You know? And so it was just this real helpless feeling. It made me feel guilty. And so I wanted to talk about like, what's a real practical way to take this thing on, you know, for those of us who want to do it, but we don't know how. And the only way that I've ever known that works in my own life, Crystal, is to honestly have a strategy to combat it. Because, you know, women are so smart and resourceful and we strategize so many things from households to businesses to, you know, um, friendships to you know, creating a home, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to do. Um, and I think this is something we have to have a strategy for because I just don't know, in, in, at least for me, I don't know that jealousy just, you know, ever just kind of goes away because we wish that it does. Uh, certainly prayer helps, but I think we also have a strategy. And so for me, um, 
the way to combat it is chosen generosity. And it's, it's almost like it's a, you know, an antidote. It's a, it's like it's, you come at it with the, with its opposite and you actually beat it. And so for me, this might sound ridiculous, but I look at it as like I'm in a boxing match. When I begin to feel those jealous feelings, I literally visualize a a boxing match and I think, how can I beat my opponent? Because jealousy is my opponent, not this woman. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I can knock jealousy out before it overtakes me, because if I wait, jealousy will overtake me. It will, it is the opponent that will win. So the only way to do it and to knock out jealousy is for me to actually be on the offensive and go and do something that's wildly generous. I usually don't feel like it. I almost never feel like it, but I just do it because I know this is the way it works. And I've watched it happen. I've watched it in my own life. It works. And so I just plug in the formula and I do it. And is that insincere? Well, you might think that, but here's what I do know is to be true. When I do it, I then begin to like that woman. I then begin to cheer for her. I then begin to want her to win. So you can't wait for the feeling. You actually strategize it and you actually beat your opponent of jealousy. And then that feeling will almost automatically come that you actually do want her to win. Mm, That's so good. She is not the opponent. Jealousy is. And I think if we could just grab hold of that and recognize that, I think so often in my life, it's jealousy that is the underlying thing. You know, like I might feel anger or criticism. Right. It's like, it's, but it's, it's cloaked as anger or criticism when it's really underneath. It's that envy and jealousy. Well, criticism is, that's always the biggest sign to me that I'm jealous Mm -hmm. because I will automatically go into a critical mode and I will almost always now I will check myself and go, are you jealous of her? Because a lot of times, and I even talk about this in the book, I tell a story about a moment that happened with me like that. My first thought is almost always, I don't like her. Mm -hmm. I, I, she's too whatever and fill in the blank, you know, and that's kind of my first thought. And then I'm really good at then kind of separating myself from her where I'm like, oh, I don't really think I want to have much to do with her. I can do that all day long. Uh, because that's just kind of my personality. But what I usually find is I'm jealous of something about her. And so I've learned now to take that on because I've missed out on some real amazing relationships with women by deciding too early that they weren't my type just Mm -hmm. because I was jealous of them. Mm. So we talked in the beginning about so many people right now who are struggling, who don't want to show up, They want to shut down. They're wondering, where is God in this mess that is my life right now? Where is God in this brokenness? How would a good God allow this to happen in my life? And I hear every day stories just right before you came over. There was a woman, she said, I'm on the way to an appointment to get the diagnosis for my husband. We're pretty sure he has a terminal illness. He's not going to be living much longer. And she said, I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't even know what to do right now. Would you just please pray for me? I know there are so many stories like that. And people are tired. They're weary. They're worn down. I would just love for you to speak to that woman who she is in the hard right now. And there's, it doesn't feel like there's any good. Yeah. What would you say to her? I would say to her that it doesn't end with hard. 
if you know and believe in the Jesus that I've committed my life to, like I said, faith informs everything of my life, and I believe in this world, there has to be something more. And for me, that more is um, this belief that I have in, in Jesus. Uh, and if you believe that, I, I think that you can rest in the idea that it doesn't end with hard, it ends with good, because God is good, and the ultimate uh, is the next life, which is heaven, um, and that is good. Uh, and so, you know, I, I can tell you this, that I, you know, for, for so many months, even a year maybe, I, I prayed that God would heal my father, that he would heal him, that I would have him for longer. And I often say that God did answer my prayers, that he did heal him and he took him to his best life. And the, the, the thing that we grapple with, I think the most is being happy for someone when it doesn't feel like it's better for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, in any way we know, if you believe the Bible, that heaven is the best place. And so that is always better for someone. And it's not usually better for us because we, we have the ones that are left and miss. But I would, I would say that it doesn't end with heart. It ends with good. And that's why the whole book is called The Hard Good, um, very importantly. And so those are the things to cling to in these moments. And it really is something more than ourselves. Because honestly, Crystal, if I had to just believe in me, I, I don't know if I could believe that. I don't know if I could believe that anything could be good and redeemable. But um, that is why I'm so grateful that we have the ability to have a, a bigger faith. And that's what I know you believe, and I know you know that you encourage others to believe, because we need more than just believing in ourselves. I need more than just believing in this hard world. I need more than just believing in the five things that I can see around me, because if I just believe that, then um, it's really, really tough to make it through a day. And so I just would encourage anyone who's listening to um, hold on to that, that belief that there is more and um, know that if you believe the Bible and if you believe in Jesus, that certainly that is a promise that is true. Thank you so much for coming on today, for sharing this story. I appreciated just the honesty and your vulnerability that this wasn't this perfect picture of, you know, perfection of <laughs> how to just have this, I can't even say it in words exactly, but how You've walked through hard and seen good, but that didn't mean that it wasn't very hard. Yeah. But there was so much good. And I think it will just encourage so many, many people who are struggling, who need that hope. They need to hold on to hope and they need to acknowledge the hard, but yet hold on to hope. And so thank you for sharing in this book. And if anyone is listening who is just needing that encouragement, go get yourself a copy of this book by Lisa Whittle, The Hard Good, Showing Up for God to Work in You When You Want to Shut Down. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. 
Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.